next guest is the San Francisco 49ers insider for NBC Sports Bay Area. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Mayoko. Matt, has everything going for you? I'm going, uh, everything's going great, Zach. We're just, uh, you know, it's nice to be back covering football. You know, last offseason, we didn't do any of that. And yes, it is just the offseason and they're running around in shorts and all that. But it's good to get out there once a week and, and kind of check things out. And, you know, as you well know, 49ers are going through, um, I mean, it's certainly not any sort of rebuilding, but you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about the quarterbacks, but it's fun to yeah. see Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance out there competing, helping each other. So uh, th that's kind of obviously been the storyline of the offseason. Is, is Lance, has he signed his contract? Is it the guys who haven't signed, are they still competing in OTAs? Yeah, so guys who, the rookies who don't sign their deals or haven't had their deal signed yet, they can participate in all the off-season stuff, all the, the OTAs, the meetings, the, the mandatory mini camp coming up here in a couple of weeks. But then once they break, uh, they just can't come back to training camp until they okay. have that signed. So that has not been an issue uh, since Michael Crabtree in 2000, what year was that? 2009, I think. That's when... Uh, you know, the new CBA went into effect and they did some stuff there. But honestly, it's been great, Zach, because I used to just, you know, make phone calls and find out when these guys are going to be signing. And now, you know, everything is slotted. So, you know, every rookie is going to sign a four-year contract. You know the money, you know uh, the signing bonus. But some of those first, you know, the earlier picks, there's more stuff to kind of negotiate, such such as offset language and and guaranteed money. And in the case of Trey Lance and those those top picks, I mean, all their money is guaranteed. So nothing done. Fortinaires have what eight draft picks, I think it was, and five of them have signed already. The other three haven't yet, but they soon will. How insane was your April? April was, uh, yeah, beginning March 26th, it was, it was pretty crazy. And, you know, out here, a, a lot of speculation, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I, I don't shy away from this. Everything that I heard and knew or thought I knew was pointing toward Mac Jones. And, you know, as, as it got closer, I mean, I said numerous times that I wouldn't but he's surprised uh, if it were Trey Lance. I think I would have been surprised if it were Justin Fields. But out here in the Bay Area, let's put it this way. I think in New England, they're very happy they got Mac Jones. Out here in the Bay Area, the fan base, by and large, made it abundantly clear that they did not want Mac Jones. And they wanted Trey Lance or they wanted Justin Fields. And I think a lot of that ha just has to do with the style. I mean, they wanted to see somebody who was more of a new age uh, dual threat quarterback. And people here were getting furious at Kyle Shanahan for a decision that he hadn't even made. And, you know, maybe we'll find out at some point down the road, you know, all the things that went into that. But people here were losing their minds. And then, of course, I, I found myself kind of in the in the crosshairs of that because, you know, people like Chris Sims, Adam Schefter. Well, heck, I'm, I think everybody, Peter King, P. 
Peter Schrager, uh, Daniel Jeremiah. I mean, all these people thought the 49ers were going with Mac Jones. And I'm, I was in that, in that group too. And I mean, I was getting like hate mail because of this opinion. And I never said I'm reporting they're taking him. I never said, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm, you know, whatever. I never reported that, but I speculated. I gave my opinion and that, I mean, people were furious. And then finally, when that pick was made, you know, it was just like, whew, you know, and then of course, you know, you get a lot of Twitter, uh, you know, the mute button on Twitter is phenomenal. So Block button's I, even better. Block's even yeah. better. You know what? I, I, I never blocked anyone. Um, I just like, as long, oh, I don't care what people say about me, but if I, but if I don't hear, well, I, I do care what people say about me, but if I don't hear what they're saying or I don't read what they're saying, then it's like, it never happened. If a, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Well, if someone's ripping me and I don't hear it, I could care less because I don't know any better. You know, I, I'm no worse for the wear, but, um, it, it was a it was a crazy month. I know a very long answer to your short question about the month of April, but yeah, no, the whole draft time was was crazy. In fact, uh, yeah. Laura Bread and I, who we do 49ers talk podcast together, like right after the draft, we were like, we need a T-shirt that says "I survived the 2021 draft." <laughs> and sure enough, we got T-shirts made. Or the Breaking cool. Tea has uh, these T-shirts. I survived the the 2021 draft. It, it was the craziest draft I've ever been a part of without question. How many people yeah. do you think knew Trey Lance ahead of Roger Goodell reading that out the car? Um, how many people? Well, I know Trey Lance didn't know. I know Mac Jones didn't know. And I believe they're represented by the same agent and that agent didn't know. I know that Jed York, the CEO of the team knew, obviously John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. And then I knew that the afterward i found out like last week i found out the team president al guido who's on the business side he knew so bef i would say everybody in the draft room at that point yeah. you know now when they were told i don't know yeah um but but i scouts personnel people coaches i don't think anyone knew until maybe the last day uh, maybe when they reported to work on that day of the draft and, you know, everybody got settled in the draft room, maybe that's when people were told, but uh, through the process, one of the things that Kyle Shanahan said, and actually I think John Lynch said this too, was that they didn't want to really share their opinions. You know, the decision makers did not want to share their opinions with other people in the building. And I think that had a, a two-pronged approach or two, you know, th there's two reasons for that. One is very obvious. The more people you tell, the more people who are apt to tell other people and then word gets out. But the other part of this was that they wanted a true evaluation and they wanted to hear what people had to say. So, you know, the minute the head coach says, boy, you know, I have Trey Lance ranked as my, well, probably be my third quarterback because obviously the four years would have taken Trevor Lawrence or, or, and um, uh, Zach Wilson before they would have taken Trey Lance. But if Kyle Shanahan's saying, hey, here's my list, it goes, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Now, if you're a personnel 
you know, exact, or if you're, you know, a scout or whoever, you're in the personnel department, or you're a young assistant coach, of course, you're going to say that Trey Lance is your third quarterback too, right? I mean, you're not going to say, yeah. I don't know, I think we should go with Justin Fields. And then, you know, run that risk of Kyle Shanahan going, man, clearly this guy doesn't know what I'm looking for in a quarterback. So by that standpoint, they were able to basically cut down on any kind of whispers of who they were going to take. Although clearly, I mean, everybody thought they were taking um, uh, Mac Jones. And I have some theories on that, probably not to be discussed on this podcast because it kind of throws people under the bus. But, but the fact of the matter is there was no real tactical advantage for them to keep the, the cards close to the vest. Uh, because there was nobody that could jump up ahead of them and take one of the top three quarterbacks. There was just no advantage to it other than maybe kind of testing themselves to see what gets out there and maybe say, well, if, you know, people start reporting this, we know where that information is coming from, that sort of thing. So, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I'm, I'm really glad it's over. I asked, I had Randy Cross on a couple weeks ago. I asked him, do you think Montana knew? Joe Montana? No. Really? Interesting. Interesting. No. No, I don't think anybody, I really don't think anybody outside that building knew. The only person potentially outside the building who knew would have been Mike Shanahan. Um, And I'm not sure on that either. uh, Because I think generally, you know, Mike talks to yeah. a lot of people. Um, but no, I, I, I don't think that any of the, you know, I don't, I don't think Steve Young knew. I don't think Joe Montana knew. Um, no, I, I, I don't think anybody outside of the organization knew. And then so the, obviously draft day, everybody's like, all right, we can finally put this all at rest. We're going to know who they're taking. And then three hours before the draft starts, reports start coming out that San Fran is trying to get Aaron Rodgers. Did you did the thought cross your mind at all that maybe they'll flip number three for Rogers? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I knew, you know, this was kind of a similar situation. They'd been down this road before with Tom Brady, you know, back in, I guess it was the off season of 2017. Uh, Let me think about that. Yeah. It would have been the off season of 2017. It was like right after Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch took over, they called Bill Belichick to see what, the availability of Jimmy Garoppolo was remember at that point, Jimmy Garoppolo was entering his fourth season. He was only signed for four years. So he was in his contract year and you know, were the Patriots going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around for a fifth year? No. You know, they, were they, were they going to franchise him? No. Were they going to sign him to an extension that Garoppolo would have wanted an extension to be a backup? No. So they called about Garoppolo and Bill Belichick said, nope, he's not, uh, you know, we don't have him on the market right now. You know, we're going to keep him. And then I, I believe John Lynch said, okay, well, what about Tom Brady? And Belichick laughed at him. So this was kind of a similar thing. And from what I understand, the 49ers had no inside knowledge. You know, it was really kind of whispers, right? That, that Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy and, you know, some of the stuff he said, or, you know, especially like right after the the final game, right after the playoff game, where he said, you know, he kind of set the stage for that saying, I don't know if I'm going to be back next year. 
But the 49ers had no inside knowledge, but they called uh, Matt LaFleur and just, uh, I think Kyle Shanahan called Matt LaFleur, very good friends, right? I mean, they worked together forever mm-hmm. and, and just said, hey, any chance for Aaron Rodgers? And Matt LaFleur kind of laughed, uh, laughed at him and said, no. And then they moved on. Um, I'm not sure how that came out that, um, that the 49ers made that call. In fact, I'm trying to think who broke that. But after it was out there, then it was just this steamroll of, and it was almost like all, all these reporters who knew that Aaron Rodgers, you know, anecdotally or with really good information, firsthand information or what else, all these people who knew that Aaron Rodgers was not happy, then decided, you know, oh, you know, this is kind of the the jumping off point. This is the the piece of information that ties it all together because the 49ers made this call. They knew that Aaron Rodgers isn't content in his current situation. And then that all started. So I mean, I don't think anybody ever really thought that of all teams, you know, the Packers would consider sending Aaron Rodgers to, it'd be the 49ers. Um, but you know, the 49ers, they they made a they made a lot of phone calls this this offseason. You know, they they wanted to kick the tires on a lot of people. I'm sure they called the Houston Texans before all the yeah. you know the storm started with Deshaun Williams or Wilson uh, Watson. Watson. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm getting my Wilson's and Watkins and yeah. So Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, I know they called, you know, the lions about Matthew Stafford. Um, I know, well, they, they kicked the tires on, on Joe Flacco as a free agent, not that he was going to step in as the starter or anything. I know they, they talked to um, Andy Dalton. So they were really kind of sniffing around a lot of different quarterbacks and just kind of seeing what their options were. So, I mean, it did not surprise me at all that they would at least make the, the cursory phone call to the Packers about Aaron Rodgers. Do you think at this point in time now, there's a higher than 0% chance we see Aaron Rodgers and San Fran, or you think with Trey Lance, it's dead. I just, yeah, I think it's dead. I just don't see how it, it would be doable. I mean, they've, they've invested now, you know, they're, they're basically, you know, they're paying Jimmy Garoppolo. They're, they're at least they're prepared to pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million for this season. And then you have Trey Lance that they took number three overall and gave up a lot to get there. So I just don't see how that's possible unless somehow the Packers say, you know, we'll take Trey Lance. Um, and, and you, yeah, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it happening, but, uh, you know, for a while there, for a few hours, it was like, God, is this possible? You know? And could Aaron Rodgers kind of force his way out and would he want to play in the Bay area? You know, Aaron Rodgers still has a huge chip on his shoulder from the, from that 2000, oh, yeah. the years are running together, 2004 draft, I guess it was, um, where, you know, Fortnite had the number one overall pick and they brought him in, they brought Alex Smith in and, you know, they go with Alex Smith, which, wasn't the huge shock, obviously, but you know Aaron Rodgers famously said to uh, Dennis O'Donnell out here in the Bay Area at that draft that you know in New York, you know how disappointed are you that 
you did not get selected by the 49ers. And his answer was not as disappointed as they are going to be that they didn't take me, which is one of the great quotes I think I've ever heard. And, you know, it turned out, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers would have put up with and would have survived all the BS that happened here. I mean, we're talking about Alex Smith, seven offensive coordinators in seven years, pulled in every which direction, ended up really finishing here as a good 49er, you know, somebody that people liked and then goes on and everybody here very happy with the success he had with the Chiefs and everybody just kind of so – I mean, I don't even know if there's a word impressed, amazed uh, with, with what he went through in Washington to get back out there on the field. So I, I mean, I will contend that Aaron Rodgers does not have the same kind of career in one spot that he had with green Bay or he, he, he couldn't have had that with the 49ers, what he had in Green Bay, just because of all the obstacles and all the BS that he would have had to put up with here with the 49ers. What do you think is next for Alex Smith? Um, he's, I, I, I understand he's, he's moved back to the, the Bay Area, um, to California here. Um, I don't know if it's TV if it's and he's such a I don't know that I've met anybody like him like he can really do everything anything he wants to do um he's he's bright he's just a normal guy just a good person I mean I've never had any issues you know just on, on any level you know with him um just a you know just a good guy I mean I I'm trying to think what his major was because uh, he graduated in like three and a half years from Utah. Um, but I mean, he could just do anything he wants to do. And, you know, I, I don't know if he'd be great on TV. I'd like to see him on TV. Um, so he is smart. You know, he knows a lot about the game of football, having been in so many different systems, been around the league. Um, you know, he's just a, such a good guy. I don't know if he would be the kind of guy who would be ripping, you know, quarterbacks to shreds for not performing well in big games or uh, misreading that coverage or, or this and that. But um, I mean, he's, I, I would, I would think that he will be in, in some sort of public situation where he can advance his, his charity. He has one of the great charities uh, that he came up with while he was here in San Francisco, which is, uh, I know his mom worked in the, in the, the field of foster care. And so basically foster, you know, children or kids and, and young men, young women in foster care at the time they're turn 18, they're basically just kind of shoved out into the world and said, okay, you know, you're on your own now. And his charity uh, does an outstanding job of helping kind of bridge that gap of, of keeping, uh, individuals in foster care, helping them transition into adulthood. And I know years ago, it was rated as one of the top athlete or maybe the top athlete charity as far as, you know, where the the cost goes, you know, it's not administrative cost. You donate a dollar to his charity and a dollar goes to helping uh, those individuals. So he'll do something, I'm sure that will have a 
you know, an impact on a lot of people. Yeah. And I want to ask you about the current Niners. How, how long of a leash does Jimmy G have until they kick the tires on Lance? I think it depends on Trey Lance. Yeah. I think it, it depends on, and I just, I was out at practice uh, this week and just watching him week one at OTAs. Yeah. He, he looked, I mean, I know it's tough to pick up on this, but, um, and maybe it's just my mind playing tricks on me, but he looked kind of uncertain and hesitant and didn't look real natural. You know, the ball came out high a lot of times. And then a full week later, he, he looked like he had more command. You know, he looked like he was in control of the offense and he was, you know, moving guys around and he just looked more at ease. So I really think that, you know, the 49ers know what they got in Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, if he's healthy, he's a good player. He's a really good player. I think Trey Lance, once he gets it, the 49ers are expecting him to be more than just a good player. They're expecting him to be a dynamic player with his arm, with his legs. So I really think that if if Garoppolo just does his thing and he stays healthy, I, I think if if they feel like Trey Lance gives them an upgrade at that position, they'll make that switch. Um, now there will be a, a time I'm sure assuming Garoppolo is the starter that, you know, he'll have a bad game or whatnot. And people are going to be asking, or people are going to be chanting for Trey Lance. So, you know, as long as the 49ers are winning, you know, I don't think there'll be that pressure to, to move Trey Lance to the forefront, but I would fully expect that through the course of the early season, that they're going to have packages for him. You know, I, I would say that, you know, his skill set is so different than Garoppolo's that you can have a, you can have a package just like, uh, well, just like the Eagles did, I guess, with Jalen Hurts. But the, yeah. the big one was just what um, the, uh, the Ravens did with Lamar is that you'll find a way to kind of exploit something. It might be a snap here. It might be no snaps this game. It might be five snaps the next game. But if you can put him in situations where he's set up to succeed, then maybe you can start to see that momentum build a little bit more. But, I mean, everything I understand, you know, when, when the 49ers made that decision, when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan made the decision to trade up from, from nine to three and give up two future first-round draft picks and a third-round draft pick as well, they went to, to Jed York, the CEO, and they said, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. This is what we'd like to do, but we'd also like to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around, and we need your blessing to keep this $25 million a year quarterback around as kind of a safety net for when Trey Lance is, is ready. And the, the CEO said, yep, go for it. So it tells you right there that you know they're, they think they're set up to win this season, and they're going to go with the quarterback that they believe gives them the best chance of winning games in 2021. And right now I think they believe firmly believe that that guy is Jimmy Garoppolo. Interesting. And I want to ask, so with, with Kittle, obviously had a couple injuries last year. Do you think they're going to try to maybe get him? He's not going to be as involved in the blocking game as he has been and maybe more of a receiving threat, maybe just to kind of alleviate some of that added, those added hits. I don't think so. I mean, he's such a good blocker. I mean, he's such a good all-around tight end. And, I mean, generally when he's healthy, he's playing 100% of the snaps. And I think you see that 
with most tight ends in the league. I mean, the tight end is one position. You know, you don't see that with running backs. You don't see that with wide receivers, but you do see that with tight ends where tight ends play a large percentage of the snaps, you know, 90, 95% or even hundred percent of the snaps, but he's so good all around. I mean, he's as big a factor in the run game as he is in the passing game. And, you know, the injuries that he occurred that he had were in the passing game. You know, one of them was just a bad throw from Garoppolo where it was just an easy pitch and catch and, and Kittle went up for it and Buda Baker hit him low and hurt his knee. And then the other one was on a play down the field where he jumped up, made a catch and just came down on uh, the, the artificial surface in Seattle kind of awkwardly and, and uh, you know, sustain a, an injury there. So no, I, I just think he's such a good player. They're, they're a better team when he's on the field, whether it's a running play, whether it's a passing play that no, I don't, I don't think they're going to put him on any kind of pitch count. I think it's, I don't think he would allow that. You know, I don't think he would, he would go down kicking and screaming if they're trying to, you know, keep him on the sideline for 25% of the snap. So no, I, I, th- I think he's going to be, you know, it's going to be all, all Kittle all the time, as long as he's healthy. Now, what I ask is obviously a couple of years, you had kind of Kittle breakout last year, you had Fred Warner breakout. Who are you expecting that to be in 2021? I think it's going to be one of the wide receivers. Yeah, I think it's going to be Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think, I think Samuel is a very good all around guy. You know, he's just so physical. Um, he's, you know, he can run those jet sweeps, but I think Ayuk's the guy. I think Ayuk is a very polished route runner. He can run routes at every depth. He's really good with the ball in his hands. So he's a, you know, he's a yak machine. So, you know, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, if Brandon Ayuk stays healthy, uh, it would not surprise me to see Ayuk up, up around the 1200 yard mark as far as receiving. So I would think that he would be the guy and Hey, he and he and Samuel can kind of play off each other. You know, if they, they roll coverage to one side, that's going to leave the other guy open. I mean, they're, they're two, I really think they're two number one, you know, young number one receivers, or at least, number one receivers in the making. So that would be the first thought that I would think of is one of those two wide receivers taking that next step from, you know, very good player to pro bowl type player. Interesting. And then on the defense, obviously you got Nick Bosa coming back from a devastating ACL tears. Do you think he's gonna be ready to go for training camp? He is. Yeah. So he's working out in Fort Lauderdale at his home. He's got a good system there. I think he's going to come back here to the Bay area for the three day mandatory mini camp, but they don't, you know, they're not going to put him out there on the field. Uh, if you've watched videos of him, he's posted, he hasn't done it in a while, but several weeks ago, he posted some, some workout videos of him himself in, in Arizona and he looks good. You know, he's moving laterally doing three cone drills, you know, it's, he, he has, has looked really good in his rehab. The 49ers are very happy with his rehab. And that's why they've said, Hey, just keep doing what you're doing. Let's continue to check in, but just keep doing what you're doing. We'll see you back here in June. Uh, but yes, the thought process is that, you know, they're, they're going to take it easy, no practice when he comes out here for the mandatory mini camp, but he should be a full go, or at least he should be cleared for the start of training camp. Uh, I would imagine early on, they're going to really 
you know, be judicious in, in the reps that he gets and, and just kind of build him up. But yeah, they, they think he's going to be ready for the regular season. And who, who do you think is the biggest threat in the division? I guess the Rams. I mean, it's, you could probably ask beat reporters for what would it be the other 28 teams that aren't in the NFC West. And there's probably one team that every beat reporter would say in that particular division. I bet you, if you talked to heck, if you talked to, you know, the five or six people who cover the 49ers and the, you know, same number that cover the Rams and the Seahawks and the, you know, two or three who cover the Cardinals, you, you might get different answers from everybody. I think the NFC West is the one division, heck, in sports. It might be the toughest division in sports, period. But it's the division in football where I think you could make a strong case for each of the four teams not only winning the division, but having a deep run in the playoffs. I mean, there are people in Arizona. I mean, look what they've done. You know, A.J. Green and, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins and you bring in Rondell Moore and then you the J.J. Watt add to the defense. I mean, you could make a case that the Cardinals are are really ready to make that next step to not only division contender, but Super Bowl contender. And, I mean, you look at, you know, Kyler Murray, year three now. What do you have, like 20, almost 4,000 yards passing almost a thousand yards rushing what do you have 26 touchdowns uh, passing 11 touchdowns running I mean if he takes his game to another level and cuts down on the turnovers Cardinals are going to be a difficult out for every team on their schedule and you could say the same for the Rams we'll see how they adapt with Matthew Stafford at quarterback you know the Seahawks are the Seahawks I mean at the beginning of every 16 game season just put in okay well they'll they'll get 11 wins and they'll probably win the division and then the 49ers are uh, you know the the thing that really impressed me with the 49ers last year through their bad season was that they stuck together you know, they were, they had so much stuff going on, but there wasn't the dysfunction. There wasn't the drama that all the injuries, they still played hard. They got booted out of their Santa Clara home and had to go to Arizona for the final five or six weeks of the season and practice down there and use the, the state, the Cardinal stadium as their, their home stadium. Um, so yeah, when you ask me, I can make it, I can make a case for all three of the 49ers opponents as the team to beat. But I guess, I guess it'd be the Rams just because they just seem to be all in this year. And, you know, maybe they will be better next year once uh, Stafford's been in the system for a full year, but I'm going to be, they're the one team that I'm really kind of curious to see uh, what they're made of and, and how Matthew Stafford's going to take that offense to another level, because it's pretty clear that Sean McVay, uh, you know, it was clear that he he wants his quarterback, or a, he wanted an upgrade over Jared Goff, and now he believes he has that. Yeah, and I've got one last question for you: Were there any of the late round guys that San Fran took that you're hearing that maybe the guy, the front office and the coaching staff are really excited about? Um, they think that all their draft picks have a good chance to make the 53 man, which is no small task. When you think about, you know, the talent, the 49ers had the one guy that interests me. And I, I don't know if he's going to put up big numbers as a rookie, 
but their very last draft pick was Elijah Mitchell, a running back from Louisiana. And they had taken Trey Sermon in the third round and traded up to get him too. So, you know, the Trey Sermon from Ohio state is going to be somebody who's going to see a lot of playing time. I mean, they also have Raheem Mostert and, and they signed Wayne Gallman from the giants giants leading rusher last year. Uh, Jeff Wilson is, is injured. He's out four to six months. So, um, you know, Trey Sermon, I think is going to be a big part of this offense, but watching Elijah Mitchell, he's, he's very fast, but he catches the ball so well. And, you know, all through Kyle Shanahan's career, he's had these these running backs who run choice routes out of the backfield, matched against a linebacker, and can get open for easy pitch and catch. They really haven't had that. You know, for through the first four years that Shanahan was here, they never really had a reliable, you know, change of pace third down back who is a threat catching passes out of the backfield. And I think Elijah Mitchell is going to be that guy. And again, as a rookie, we'll see how he adapts to that role. If that is indeed the role he has, but he's one guy that uh, will, will certainly be worth watching as training camp progresses and into the season. Cause he's the one guy of all those kind of late round picks where you can say, okay, there's something they don't have. There's a role for him. Let's see how it fits. So that would be my answer there, Zach. Awesome. Awesome. Well, appreciate you taking the time today. Um, can you plug your podcast as well as how, how can people find, follow you on uh, social media? Yeah, you can follow me on social media at uh, Mayoko, M-A-I-O-C-C-O-N-B-C-S. That stands for uh, NBC Sports. And then the podcast, you can find it all every anywhere you get your podcast. It's 49ers Talk. Uh, myself, Matt Mayoko, and my co-host, Laura Britt. We have guests. We, we have a lot of fun. Uh, we talk about the 49ers twice a week. So uh, please uh, subscribe to that and uh, leave a rating and review, as I'm sure you, you want your listeners to do for your podcast as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to so do really appreciate it, especially with it's good to talk football, even though it's months away. Yeah. So, hey, Zach, yeah. thanks so much for having me. Yeah.